Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham. And with me, a special guest, Haz Dolal. How are you doing, Haz? <laughs> you got it right in one yeah. guy. Nice one. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> awesome. This is part of the podcast where I ask our guest, which is yourself, mm. to introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers out there, who you are. Where you been, where you at, where you heading? Just a little uh, short bio uh, before we get started. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Haz Delob. I'm one of the founders of Hazmation, a production company that produces animated feature films, um, episodic series, video games, um, anything that involves storytelling, basically. That's what we do. My background originally started in video games. So like back in 98, it kind of shows my age a bit here. But like I, I started off working in video games like as, as an intern on like several like racing games. Ended up working for a company called Codemasters, more racing games. And the funny thing is, I don't even drive a car. So there you go. Um, and then eventually decided to go and work in the movie industry because that's eventually just what I wanted to do. Um, worked on like movies like you know um, The Dark Knight, Hellboy Two as a visual effects artist, and then became a VFX supervisor, VFX producer, then made a bunch of short films. End up making two feature films on Netflix, a show on Disney Plus called Fast Lane, and then set up my production company. And now it's kind of weird because I felt like like I started off in video games, wanted to leave to make movies, and now the lines have blurred, and now I'm using video game technology to make movies. There you go. That's me. Well, you definitely been busier than most of us um, with that extensive, uh, impressive career, right? So uh, I was super excited to talk to you because there has been a couple of convergences uh, that you know you, you know, uh, obviously have been undertaking with your personal career, but also you know as an industry we're seeing at first you know with movies and and, and games kind of sharing tools and knowledge uh, with especially unreal five and beyond you know we see the mandalorian using virtual back sets and we're seeing more and more shows marvel movies themselves adopting virtual uh uh sets right um and then we're, we're obviously seeing that spill over into independent uh yeah. projects right in a big way right um and we're seeing a lot of artists uh you know swapping sides right um using the same technology a lot of yes. you know uh, 
teaching the, the visual effects folks, you know, game tools to leverage, effects tools using their background and knowledge uh, to help game folks to kind of catch up to the next high quality standards, right? Um, and then even more interesting enough, you know, Unreal Fortnite, uh, yes. Unreal Editor Fortnite. Um, yeah. UEFM. Just this thing that they just, just dropped the last year and a half, right? Um, and I would love to kind of delve deeper into all this with you, right? Um, when do you first started to notice this convergence of moving and, and games starting to happen? Yeah. What were your thoughts? You know, it's, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so interesting because I remember when I was in games and I tried to get a job in visual effects of film, right? And bear in mind, I was like, at that point, you know, I built a career as a cinematics artist or should I yeah. say FMV artist is what they used to call it back in the day. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard getting a job in, in the film industry because there's a level of snobbery. Like, oh yeah, you know the film, Look right? Down. The film industry goes, "Oh, you guys make games like it's yeah. all low poly and you know, like sixty-four by sixty-four size textures." Yeah, you know, we we we're the we're the rock star. We make movies. Yeah. So I remember going into the movie industry. I I had to really pick what I wanted to do, and I became a a visual effects compositor because I was able to take photography or my my you know my education photography because I love photography and and cg and put that together and that's compositing um was when i worked in games i was a generalist i was like i do lighting animation whatever it takes to get to get stuff into the game right uh, on like especially on like ps2 with limited memory and stuff um but now like now it's so interesting because like even in a company like we we hire a lot of people from like the games industry like even like my artists houdini artists you know blender artists because the quality threshold on these on on these animated films are exactly the same threshold as the video games cinematics like i mean i remember spending weeks trying to render a sequence like a water sequence or something um for for a movie and now like i'm putting my playstation 5 and a game done in unreal engine 5.2 and it's all in real time i'm walking around in water it's splashing and all kinds of things and i can't even tell the difference between a cinematic and in-game graphics like you know the really high high-end ones like ghost of Jima or call of duty so i mean that really made me think oh my god we're at this point now where um you know we can use whatever tools and we have to remember unreal is free yeah you know so is blender right whereas so back in the day when i started off like you know we we had to like like use versions of 3d studio max and acquire it in some interesting ways that we wouldn't do now was now we have subscription but also the tools are free so and also knowledge as well there's so much more knowledge today like thank god for youtube right yeah. but like when i started off man it was forums or you had to start as an intern somewhere and the knowledge wasn't shared that much because it was very nichey um and i think like technology like unreal and let's not forget unity as well unity played a big part in this as well but like specifically unreal um it's really opened the doors for like any creators that have got a great idea and the drive and tenacity to make stuff, it there is no excuse. Like you don't need huge amounts of money to do stuff. Like for me, it was like I had done two feature films, like one called The Beyond that ended up going onto Netflix, uh, another one called 2036 Origin Unknown with the lovely Katie Sackhoff. You can see her kicking ass in Mandalorian as Bo Katan. Um, did a movie with her. And then I ended up directing a, a really cool show for Disney Plus called Fast Lane, which I ended up becoming an exec producer on. Um, but then like getting ready for the next movie, the pandemic hits and you're like, oh, you know, 
that's all live action put on hold. But I was already using Unreal Engine to do pre-visualization, you know, where you're blocking out sequences on the computers, give an idea what it's going to feel like tonally, pacing-wise, technical, and all of that. But the previous I was doing, like the quality of the previous wasn't like the quality of the previous I did on The Dark Knight. Like on The Dark Knight, it was grayscale, you know, sometimes T-pose or sometimes animated like this, just to get the point across, right? Because it's like a tech viz as well. So it's all usually very rudimentary, kind of crude, right? Whereas the previous I was coming out in Unreal Engine version 4.18, so that's like 2019, 2018, I was using it. Um, it had lighting, reflection, shadows, ray trace. It had all this gorgeous stuff on my MacBook Pro, by the way. So when I'm showing this to studios in, in like in Los Angeles or just executives or finances, yeah, as impressive as the previous was, they were like scratching their head, like, what exactly are we watching here? Has like uh, you say it's previous, but we've seen previous, and it doesn't look like it. This looks like a animated film, like a first pass animated film or something, or a video game cinematic. And yeah, you know, it's until when the pandemic hit, I remember speaking to my business partner, Paula Crickard. And you know, Paula comes from a very heavy, like she's a veteran post-producer, worked on tons of movies. Her last movie was The Expendables 4, mm-hmm. um, which which looks really cool. And um, so she was very much live action, but she's got a love for technology. So I remember telling her, hey, let's make an animated film. I remember, remember her going, <laughs> we don't have the resources for that. Like, love the enthusiasm, but like, how can we make an animated film? And I started showing her some of the stuff we were doing. She's like, wait, what? That's not on your laptop? And that's when both of us were like, realized, you know, the cogs in our head starts going, hang on, like, if we did this for 90 minutes, and just just some context here, like, our first movie, the Beyond was the first movie that me and Paula first worked on together um, as producers. It was like my independently financed movie. It's the movie where, um, again, even more context going back, like when I worked in visual effects, I'd done a bunch of short films. One of them did really well. I got a Vimeo staff pick called Project Kronos. Variety, Hollywood Reporter covered it and they optioned it. It was a time when sci-fi was like, the bubble was big. You know, you had people like Neil Blomkamp's District 9. You had... Um, Gareth Edwards' Monsters, you had you know, um, Chronicle. So Hollywood were looking for like VFX artists turned directors, and I was in that bubble. It was great. And I wrote that bubble. It was fantastic. And uh, that getting studio deals with Fox and Paramount, writing and stuff. Um, but nothing was getting made. Like, I mean, <laughs> just the land of Hollywood. Nothing gets made very quickly. Um, or maybe it was just timing. So I remember they had to renew the, um, they went to like renew the option for the for Project Chrono. So, hey, here's another like X amount of money for, like, to re to renew the option i'm like what are we doing i'm like i need to make a movie i'm still working as a visual effects producer i was working on, on a show called poldark at the time it's like um victorian kind of um, period drama um so i ended up taking them taking the rights back you know amicably and everything um and i said look go off and make the movie you want to make and i end up making the 90 minute version of what the short was which was a fake documentary i remember doing that and and then I, I was getting ready for my next movie, the one with Katie Sucker. That got greenlit pretty much quick after The Martian came out by Ridley Scott. Because at the time, no one wanted to make movies about Mars until Ridley Scott made it, The Martian. And Paula was, came on as a post-producer. And I remember her watching the first cut of the movie. She was like, I'd love to give you some notes. I'm like, yeah, sure. And she's like the complete opposite of me. Um, but she's very production heavy, but also very creative as well, which is a very rare thing to find in a producing partner because usually producers like numbers 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 where she's got a good creative streak so we we gel really well on that um but yeah what flash forward now we want to make an animated film all in unreal we 
we spoke to Epic and Epic were really kind to give us an Epic mega grant, um, two mega grants to help us um, get the film going. But just for the people listening, Epic don't finance movies. So you just can't go in and say, hey, I've got a great script. It's going to be an Oscar winning. you got to finance it. They financed, they gave us a mega grant because um, we were doing something that was not being done at the time. And that was, we were trying to create um, an animated film, 90 minutes, 4K, with HDR color grading, but done in a very anime-esque style um, as opposed to photo, which is, you know, PBR, photo-based rendering, which is what Unreal is based on. You know, we will break in shaders. We'll create our own anime shaders. We weren't using filters to create the look. We wanted to do it properly. So we got some funding for that. So so Epic kind of financed the, the process and for us to then share that process to the world, which was an amazing thing to do. Um, but we, you know, we we spent like just about just over two years working on that very small team. And again, like, you know, I'm sure you know, an animated film is like hundreds of people. It's like an army of people, right? If you look at the credits on Spider-Verse, hundreds of people. Um, whereas on ours, it was like we started off with just me and my um, head of CG, Andrea Tatechi, who's my longtime collaborator. Um, and then we started bringing other people on. And then came five. And then like in mid-production, we were like 12, including motion capture artists. I was directing motion capture via Zoom. We had this amazing motion capture artist called Gabriella and worked with another called Ace Rail. You know, a lot of it was remote. Um, and it just shows you that, oh my God, we we can just use tools like Unreal Engine, get to support the community as you're sharing stuff to make a fully fledged feature film. I mean, you know, it's it's very violent, the movie, obviously, when you see the trailer, but we made a movie during pandemic and everyone was paid. It's all financed properly. And I think a lot of that is down to embracing technology. Yeah. I mean, the, the same things that you're seeing, um, we're, we're seeing the same side on, on, on the game side, you know, uh, what used to take a larger team to do, uh, you know, a smaller team can, can competitively uh, look, very similar. Uh, it's hard to kind of differentiate what a solo developer did versus, you know, the gap ha- has been closing with ch- bigger AAA titles with 500 plus people because the technology and tools are, are, are there for, yeah. for, for, for us to take advantage. Um, the cool thing is that seeing that, you know, hearing your story about seeing the convergence happening, recognizing, you know, how real time is awesome uh, in terms of workflow. Um, you know, I have a very little experience. Uh, you know, I, I worked at Digital Domain for a little while, right? Okay, okay. Um, but it was the very first recognition that, you know, starting to use it for, for like trailers. Because trailers before was the same way. It goes to a visual effects house for games and yeah, they do right. their treatment. Yeah. And then slowly the in-game cinematics became basically in-game cinematics. You know, <laughs> uh, just, you know, uh, taking a few uh, liberties here and there, but still running in real time uh, with inside the engine versus uh yes. using uh other things so pre-rendered yeah yes so that that all that definitely helped push this idea of like hey we can achieve quality pretty fast now yeah um and it's been exciting to kind of see that and what's more exciting is giving um because i'm sure you you know maybe one of the reasons why you left the, the industry for a while well to, you know the stability was a problem um right for, for I, I think 
the PlayStation 2, 3 area is like every other studio was closing or something. That's exactly uh, what happened, dude. I, okay. I, I, I moved up north. I, I'm a London, I'm a London based guy and I end up living in Manchester, right? Because yeah. like all the studios are up north and like the UK was thriving back then with like small developers and I'm working for a small developer called Virtuacraft. I remember going there, spending like four months there and and then I think EA came in and bought a couple of studios and it was the whole thing that happened. And I was in one of those small studios got shut down. I'm like, oh my God, it's like with me and my partner's got a house there and everything. So we end up slowly making our way back down to London. It's like stopping by at Codemasters, yeah. like, which is like, you know, in the middle of the UK and uh, the Midlands and working there for a bit. And then end up like going to back to London and working for a company called Kuju Entertainment at the time. I think they're called Headstrong Games now. And they did a game called Battalion Wars for Nintendo. Right. Um, I think it was GameCube, if I remember correctly. So I end up doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's gotten a little better, <laughs> but like yeah. what's, what's cool. Yeah. It's gotten way better since then. Um, you know, the birth of the Apple iPhone helped, you know, yes. um, other industries kind of helped grow, grow the game industry, uh, the movies and effects, this convergence have helped artists be able to migrate to different yes. profession using the same tools. So Absolutely. overall very beneficial as an artist, it's the best time to wanting to do something or wanting to work for someone um and no one's really stopping you so what what's super exciting is what i'm starting to see too is and we can talk more about this is the unreal engine fortnite honestly man i didn't know anything much about it. i was like oh great you know they're starting the modding community again but like <laughs> you know there's like this you know it's one of those things that i myself need to dig you know deeper into and you're you're Shit. the first one that's you know talking about it because you know they made an announcement of a lot of x riot or x blizzard guys are forming a studio specifically for developing yeah it's, it's a really it's a really good i mean i was at gdc this year when i did that announcement and i remember you know there was a long queue to get into the epic um the epic sort of like location Booth. where this thing yeah. was happening yeah but it's like this separate building outside of you right, right, right. it's like it's a long massive queue so me and a friend of mine um said oh we're just going to join this queue um it was like a good 45 minute wait or at least and we got in there and you know tim sweeney comes on and talks about the future of like the metaverse and and where you know epic's going which is awesome and then the minute like they they announced and they showed like uefn it was like it was like Steve Jobs had come on stage with the new iPhone or something. Like that, you couldn't, you couldn't even, you can't get that from a video. Like I was dead. Everyone, including myself, were like, "Holy shit, this is a game changer!" Like you know, like we can create content in Fortnite that already has five hundred million plus user base already. So there's, a, there's an audience base, but our content gets to be seen and played on consoles, like. PlayStation 5, the Xbox, the the Switch, um the Android phones, obviously not the Apple phones. And um and that everyone you could see everyone in that room had cogs spinning in their head. Their eyes were like, "Holy shit, we can we can do stuff." Um and I remember like speaking to some of the epic guys um at GDC they're like, "Man, the minute this thing launched, our server crashed because everyone registered." Um and I think that really is, you know, true democratization. I mean, Unreal already has democratized creators, like the process of creating something on a commercial level already, right? And they've done it with games. They've done it with movies now, with virtual production and animated films. But the whole thing of like 
you know, making a game is one thing. Getting your game out to the audience is, a, as you know, is a whole other battle. And I think UEFN bridges that gap massively. Yeah. I mean, that 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 whole, uh, I mean, it's a separate... <clears throat> I, there's so many different, like, sub-industries within the game industry right now that's happening. Yes. And uh, not a lot of conversations between, which is funny. The mobile crowd is completely... It's like uh, going to high school, right? There's different <laughs> niches that's happening. And, like, the creator content, you know, the Roblox, the the Minecraft, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now UEFN is, like, this whole different crowd right uh that 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 exists within this this realm and it's exciting but like i said i'm getting the delayed effect of what you got from the announcement because i wasn't in that room right i see the news <laughs> i'm hearing i'm hearing peppering in and then recently that 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 you know announcement of a studio form just for that i was like what's going on i need to, i need to look more into this right so um it's exciting like you said Again, another avenue for creators to do something creative. Always okay. a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I would love to kind of hear your personal experience with that right now. Like, um, it's Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you now, like the announcement was amazing, but to get content made, like, you know, on a professional commercial level, that isn't like, you know, respectfully, that isn't like a bunch of kids have made some modded level. Because you got to think, right? Yeah. You, the whole thing Fortnite has been well known for the fact that it's it's players can create stuff, you know, yeah. user generated content, right? Just like yeah. Roblox and so on. And as if you look at all the maps on there, they all look the same because they're all created in what you call um, Fortnite creator mode, yeah. which is basically using existing assets and yeah. skins and so on to build stuff. And they're fun. They're go- They're so much fun to play. And you can see why there's a 500 million plus user base on that. But now, you know, it's opened doors for creators that can create original content that can create worlds whether you're a game design environment artist visual effects artist filmmaker and you can create worlds and you're using unreal already you can migrate your environment your assets into uefn now of course there are a few um there are a few restrictions the big restriction is you cannot change a player character which kind of makes sense because obviously epic makes their money on skins and so on and that's an economy right there uh, but everything else you can change. The other thing also is you are limited to 400 meg. So you can't just go and throw in hundreds and hundreds of thousands or millions of polygons in there using like very expensive mega scans in terms of resources to make your thing look gorgeous because there is a 400 meg limit. And there's a reason why there's a 400 meg limit is so that everyone can download it on their consoles or switch and play. And, you know, it makes it fair. It's a fair cap for everyone. Um, so there's limitations on that. but you know, for me, that just felt like going back to my PS2 days where I had to like take a vehicle, have a texture, which is 64 by 64, tile it and make it look really good running in very limited video memory. And now, I mean, Fortnite, I mean, Fortnite is still way better than what I had back then on the PS2, but still like 400 meg forces you to optimize yourself. And it just makes me think like when you're making low budget movies, you know, you don't have the big the big expensive budgets to build a set you find a location you make you make it work in that location right yeah um and i think that's what i think this is what uefn for me as a as a creative excites me and you know when i bring my team on there and my team is very small to do uefn project we can focus on the most important thing in a game which is the gameplay right yes we have the gorgeous environments but the cool thing is like all of the pains are usually associated in game development 
you know, we're doing a we're doing a project called Max Beyond at the moment, which is part of the Idea Xbox program. And that's all in Unreal Engine 5.2. And um we want to create a combat system. We have to create a combat system. We have to physically create one. We want to create a really cool AI system. You gotta you gotta build that stuff. You gotta figure out your collisions, all of that stuff. And yes, it's easier in Unreal, because back in the day you had to buy um middleware tools like renderware back in the day, which was used on games like Burnout, or you hire some shit hot programmers to code that tools for you and a lot of your investment in making game development back then was building the tools building the engine and saying you got this amazing engine and you can have a slate of games and the publishers invest you in that investing in the tools and in the engine that your company owns sending a visual effects in a place like digital domain ilm had their own proprietary tools back then to do fur water and so on and now yeah. you know you can just use those tools in autodesk right um so but you still have to do a lot of work still in Unreal Engine. Now, in UEFN, your your physics is sorted. Your game mechanics in terms of, like, you know, loading the weapons, all that, all that is done for you. All you have to do is be really smart and create a very good experience for the audience. And remember, it's, like, it's solo gameplay, multi-game, multiplayer gameplay, the audience base, what they're like, you know, teenagers to 25, 30-year-olds maybe. Um, but also be really smart with how you optimize your levels. You know, things like world partitioning, right? That's an Unreal Engine 5 thing. That's also now in UEFM. So now you can do world partitioning, which means you can create expansive landscapes, but they load up much quicker, right? As opposed to like doing LODs, the manual way, the level of detail, the manual, the very manual way. I remember back in the day, like building five versions of the LOD of a car or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was now Unreal does that really well. And UEFN does it. So UEFN is like, Unreal Engine 5.1 um, light version, right? So it looks like Unreal. It works like Unreal, but there are certain things they they rip out. So like the Niagara particle system, like in, in Unreal Engine 5, it's extremely complex. You have it's much more node trees and so on. You try to migrate a particle system for Unreal into UEFN, it's most likely going to break because a lot of things it doesn't recognize. It, it'll just, you'll just have red errors everywhere uh, so you have to build your particle system from scratch um the big thing also with uefn is that you can use existing fortnite assets and they all they're all built in a very modular way and the cool thing is like if you want a wall from one of the buildings in one of the epic fortnite maps you can use it you can just drag that wall and then that's got collision that's got dest- it's destructible but you are limited where you can't change a texture for example you can change the colors can't change the textures so what we end up doing is putting our own logo on a on a on a geometry plane and kind of putting it quite close to it so it doesn't flicker or anything yeah um so you have to think really smart how to do things we've got cinematics running in in, in our uefn experience and you've got to figure out like how long should that cinematic go for the other thing also is when you're doing cinematic in unreal engine like a, a, you know, a console game you know you use something called sequencer and it's really well managed in UEFN, everything has to be loaded in the game level. And your sequencer then references that from the game level. Whereas in traditional Unreal Engine, you can drag stuff into sequencer and it lives in sequencer. So that means when your cinematic is running, it's it's only running the assets that are built into the sequencer, which is the timeline in Unreal. In UEFN, it all loads up. It all loads up. So you've got to be really smart and you really have to think like truly a game developer's making content 
for speed and efficiency because you don't want any latency. You don't want people waiting 20 minutes for your map to load. You know, that's a turnoff already. So you have to have all these stuff in your mind. Um, and yeah, just like those companies that are now setting up a division for Fortnite, we've started to do the same because there's a lot of there's a lot of commercial avenues in there where you know certain brands may want to have their have their brands gamified, right? We can do all of that um, because we come from Unreal and we're, we're game designers. So I can, it's no surprise in hearing other studios setting up a division. I mean, I think it was last month, Nike announced this thing that they did where they created the Nike world inside of Unreal Fortnite, uh, UEFN. Of course, makes perfect sense. So, I, you know, there's a lot of business avenues. So, you know, we don't, like as a game developer, as you know, like sometimes you have to do service work, right? To pay the bills, get the lights on so that you can keep making the game that you want to make was now there's another avenue. We can do branded content. We can create experiences for other movies that want to be shown as part of their marketing launch in Fortnite and bring all the skills as filmmakers, all the skills as game designers and do it in a very um, low resource wise because it's all in UEFM. We just need good designers, good Unreal Engine artists. Yeah, you're you're kind of opening and blowing my mind with this stuff. (laughs) I mean, you know, a lot, I think, you know, listeners, people who are, you know how we are. We kind of tunnel vision into the projects that we're in. We hear news, we hear updates, it's cool. Uh, but like we haven't, haven't done the exercise of thinking past beyond, you know, surface level. And, you know, just you mentioned like, yeah, there's a lot of brand and corporation service needs right now to kind of put themselves as kind of like i mean we're like ready player one now right like there's the people (laughs) who want like their little bungee jumping virtual space uh represented in fortnite which totally makes sense i mean fortnite was and it still is one of the biggest thing ever um we're seeing you know, my 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 knowledge is that was like probably what most people have. They they do these cross collaborations every season, right? And yeah. it's like, oh man, they do. This yeah. is how they're building their metaverse. They have the Mandalorian, they have Spider Man in here. You know, this is eventually. You know, I mean, that is be- that is a true metaverse, right there, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. last year we got involved in a Web three project. Again, you know, we don't we don't deal with blockchain, crypto. We don't do any of that. We, you know, we're mainly you know creatives, and we were asked by this great company um, X Manor to be involved in creating their metaverse world, and we did. We built it all in Unreal. And the interesting thing is, originally they called us up to produce the trailer because yeah. they've raised um, a substantial amount of money based on a pitch deck, but didn't have anything to show, yeah. like anything yeah. functional. So we we did a trailer to kind of visualize x manners um vision which is a great vision it was really great like the people working there people like um steve stain and so on and randy middleton they're like great people they've got a great vision but didn't really have anything yet it takes a while to build stuff you know especially you're dealing with the metaverse is a lot of server infrastructure and so on so we ended up doing this really cool trailer that kind of shows the vision of what their metaverse will be like which is an esports company um they came back and go, oh my God, we freaking love this. Can you do 10 more? We're like, oh, we could. It's great business. Like yeah. we can keep making our games. But then question, why are we, why would you want 10 more videos? Because, oh, we want to show gamification for retail, gamification for this, this and that, and just everything to do with gamification, right? I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. But like, why, if I understand Web3 is immersive interaction and so on, whereas Web2 is video images and Web1. It's just text, right? Yeah. So why are we using Web2 to pitch Web3? Why don't you pitch Web3 in Web3, which is an interactive piece? They're like, well, how do we do that? I'm like, well, it's funny to say that because that trailer that you so love, we actually made it all in Unreal Engine. 
obviously it blew their mind. They're like, wait, what? You used, you used the game engine? The thing that you used to make Fortnite to make our trailer that looks like pre-rendered at a render man or something. I'm like, yeah. So what we ended up doing was for, for like a month or so, we took we migrated everything that was done in the trailer into a game project, all in Unreal, all in the same thing. It's yeah. just a different project setup. Plugged the controller in and shared screen and say, hey, look, here you go. I'm walking around, around your metaverse. Like, here you go. They're like, oh my, they're, they're, their minds are like, but obviously, to me, and my colleagues were like, "Dude, it's just walking around yeah. an environment." Like, you know, come on. But their tech people, like in terms of like Silicon Valley and so on, into doing web free, it blew their mind. So we ended up like financing a lot of our company and and growing the the games division. Like you got to remember, like when we set up Hazimation, me and Paula's intention was to make movies. Yeah. The pandemic hit. We ended up making animated films. Great. We're still storytellers. Still making movies for the you know for the streamers, cinema. We never imagined having a games division and all of a sudden we're working in Web3, which is essentially we're making an, a big MMO, right? That's essentially what we're doing when we're making these Web3 projects. It's a big, massive MMO. So we have to hire like, you know, server engineers. We have to hire like developers and game developers that understand the world of MMOs and you know, massive worlds and understanding how to create procedural world building, all of that stuff. And we're like, realize, oh God, we, we actually have a games company. Then we decided to make our own game. And now all of a sudden, that's a big part of our company is making video games. And that's because we we took the opportunity that was presented to us via Web3 and didn't look at it as like crypto, blockchain. We just looked at it as like, we're making a big MMO. In fact, I told my guys, because you know, obviously I have to pitch this to my team to convince, right? I'm like, guys, we're going to make an MMO. I never once told them, like, they're obviously going to know now, but I never once told them, like, we're going to make a web-free project and it's going to be drawn by blockchain technology. And so as amazing as it is, and I still think it's really cool having, you know, that that vision, whether it's being executed now, it's a whole different thing. But my guys are not going to be interested in that. And staff retention, you know, retaining your team, it's just another side of a battle of running a production company. So how do you retain the team? How do you keep them excited? Yes, you can give them loads more money, for sure. But most artists, it's mostly about the projects they want to work on. They want stuff that looks good on their on their portfolio. They want to learn. They want to grow as artists. And I can't say, hey, we're going to web free. So I just told everyone, we're making a massive, we're making an MMO. They're like, oh my God, that's freaking cool. And it's only later on when the press releases came out, I'm like, oh, it's a web free project. Who cares? We had a great fun working at MMO. So a lot of that is, you know, that's how we end up going into the world of games. But in terms of like making an actual console game, remember I mentioned we made our animated feature film, Rift, all in Unreal. Well, there was a sequence in there that involved a car chase. Um, you might see it in the trailers, best car chase. And I'm like, my God, you know, we're animators, but we're not like Pixar level animators, right? You now to animate a good car with suspension, it's gonna take a lot of time, get all the wheels moving, make it feel like there's weight to the car. So what we end up doing is stuck an Xbox controller in, switch it to game mode, and we start just driving a car around just to get an idea what the physics will be like. And then we're like, oh, let's put a camera. Oh, let's record that. Let's bake the frames into sequencer. And we're like, this was that was fun. Not only did we get a really cool sequence, that was fun. And we're like, let's like Block out some time over the weekend and just do like a like a game jam session. So I didn't know was Sam Rebello, one of our um, one of our amazing environment artists. He's also sort of like a part time game dev. So he came on board, and this is a great way of discovering people's skill sets within your team because not everyone speaks up, right? And he was like, "Yeah, um, I I can probably put together some blueprints to get that work." And I'm like, "You sure? 
like, yeah, you do environments. Are you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, fine. He did the most amazing work. I mean, just just some context. He's our lead game designer now today. And this is the guy that was hired as a junior asset artist. So again, like whether that is down to the the amazingness of real-time technology being so accessible, you know, people like myself and Paul are able to like encourage our team to grow as opposed to like working in a visual effects company. Like when I used to work, it was so compartmentalized that that's your lane, stay in your lane. That's the tools. That's the license of your unique license of your composer, Maya license or Houdini. That's what you're going to stick with. If you want to go do something else, do it in your own spare time. Whereas use something like Unreal, which is so generalist friendly, because you know you could be great at lighting, great at particles, but also you can put together a really cool sequence and own that entire sequence if you want, because it's all real time. You're not waiting for things to be rendered on a farm, or you're not waiting to bake stuff into memory to play. It's all real time, right? So we end up like putting together like a little demo. And we put it on Steam, like early access. Now, of course, <laughs> we all know early access is fantastic, but also there's a lot of trolls on there. So a lot of people like were like, oh, it's a great game, but this doesn't work. This sucks. But the point was we were able to get our game on Steam and get people to play it, and we get QA for free, right? Like you can't do that with a movie, right? I mean, you can imagine making a movie. Like, hey, I'm going to test this movie, you guys. And it gets ripped to shreds. That's it. You're done. No one's going to touch a movie. Was in games, that, that whole early access thing was coming new to us. I mean, f- for me, obviously, the last time I worked in games was a long time ago. That wasn't really early access until like, you know, like 10 years ago or something. But like Steam really made that happen. It was it was amazing. But then something really extraordinary happened. Microsoft reached out and said, hey, if you thought about applying to the Microsoft ID, the Idea Xbox program, which is a program that supports independent developers, gives them development kits, Give them, uh, give them engineering support and so on. Think allow them to get the game onto, um, onto the Xbox. Hopefully, fingers crossed, onto the Game Pass and so on. And we got in based on that demo. We're like, and I remember we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. But dude, like two boxes came in. We opened them, and they're Xbox development kits. Mm-hmm. And I came from a world where dev kits were like a luxury to have. The hardest thing back then was to get a PS2 dev kit, <laughs> let alone try to get a Nintendo dev kit. And now we got. Xbox dev kits. So we're like, oh shit, like, I guess we're making a console game. Uh, we had all the paperwork signed and everything. And that's, again, it, I think because of the world of real time, it's so, it's so low risk to experiment outside of your lane to figure out like, hey, what is this like? Whereas, you know, if Unreal had a massive license fee, if there was a huge setup cost involved in Unreal, then I don't think Myself, Paula, and the team would be making video games today. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind... The team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think um, 
there's so many crazy things that's happened the last few years. I mean, I'll, just to kind of go back to metaverse, metaverse is kind of like this weird polluted word now. Like I know like people who are actually making metaverses and they're like, no, it's like what do they call it. <laughs> they call it something else, uh, like doing everything they can to avoid the word. But, you know, the, 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 the idea of it, right. Everybody is still very open to it. They want to do that. They want to be a part sure. of it. And like you said, it's like we've been doing MMOs forever. Uh, but it's also interesting to see like out, people outside of the game industry that don't know the nomenclature, you know, the culture, right. Are discovering this all at once. You know, we're yes. talking about like 20, 30 years of buildup that we're yeah. kind of used to normal maps and stuff <laughs> yeah. like this. Right. And they're like, what is this technology? Where does it come from? Uh, and a lot of that is because, yeah, the recent years, we finally caught up in graphical yeah. fidelity that, yeah. uh, like you said, you know, the 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 the, the snobbiness that I think we've all experienced. You know, I felt it yeah. when I was it's at DD, these visual effects walking in like rock stars. Like, <laughs> hang on, nerd. All right. <laughs> we're, we're doing the same stuff. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, it's definitely the the the. I don't think it's hundred percent the cross pollination yet, but I think it's definitely lowered in terms of you know, uh, yeah. and heightened respect in terms of like well, there's a lot of things we can teach, you know, uh, yeah. each other, yeah. um, and, and kind of yeah. get it to the next level. Um, we were talking, but we're talking. I mean, obviously, the cross pollination with the teams, right? Like yeah. artists can jump between, like you know, you hire from Ubisoft to come and work on your movie. That yes. person who's worked in movies can. That's great, but also there's another side as well, which is the the producing side, the yes. business side, right? Yes. And like you know, back then, like we're thinking way back to like the first Mario movie that came out with Bob Hoskins, right? Um, and it wasn't received very well. And video game IP adaptation back then was like frown upon. Like, oh God, right. no! It's cheesy. The Street Fighter came out, which yeah. I'm probably Nam, and it, oh, I kind of enjoyed it, but it didn't do too well in the box office and so on. And then Tomb Raider came in, it kind of did its thing, but it's. But now, like, you know, there are studios in the US that are just focused predominantly on acquiring video game IP. You know, oh, yeah. I've got some good friends of mine that works for DJ2 Entertainment and you know, they produce Sonic the Hedgehog. And I remember speaking to them, like, you know, the guy, um, Dimitri Johnson, who, who who runs it with his business partners. And they're like, yeah, it took a long time to convince studios to, you know, Hollywood studios to make Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, they had the rights and everything. And now, you know, Mario came out like a few months ago Billion and that did later. really well. Right? <laughs> exactly. Did really well. Like Nintendo's sales have jacked right back up as well, which is amazing. And for us, like our next Last anime of us movie. Beating oh, Game Last of Thrones. Of us. Last of Us. Something and, crazy and, and happened all, in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, like Last of Us, like episodes were directed by Neil Druckmann, the guy who did yeah. who created Last of Us, right? What was that? And, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, we're talking about Hideo Kojima trying to do MGS, and he's like, right. all right, you can stay in the, the writer room, right? But you're now nowhere near the set. But now we have, like, game directors in yes. the chair. Yes. It's Which definitely changed. Show. Yeah, yeah, and he's, like, you know, an exec on the show, and he's very much influenced. It's definitely changed, and I, I think that's where the lines are blurring now. Like, you know, yeah. there is – we're going to get to a point where there is not going to be any difference, like, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, our, our next movie got greenlit, like – Three months ago, based and it's a vid, it's an animated show based on a video game called Mutant Year Zero, and we did the pitch. I remember in 2020, um, I was getting a lot of coverage for all the stuff I was doing in Unreal, I was doing like shorts and stuff, epic spotlight story, all that great jazz. And um, and the studio or a company in in the US called Pathfinder reached out to me, 
guy called uh, Mark Wheeler and Fred Malberg, who, who now runs a company called Heroic Signatures, and they own IP like Conan the Barbarian, Means of Madness, and tons of great Scandinavian-based IP. And they're like, look, we're looking for directors to pitch on projects. They give you live action, TV shows, whatever you want. And they send you a copy of the game. And I remember getting the game Mutiny Zero, putting it in the PlayStation, um, PlayStation 4, and, um, and it's like Sony PlayStation, and the next logo comes up Made in Unreal. I'm like, ooh. What if I rang up the game developers who are called Bearded Ladies, um, published by Funcom? What if I call those guys up and say, can you give me all your Unreal Engine assets? Because I want to put together a, a teaser trailer. I mean, back then you had to like rip clips to create sizzle trailers. You had to ex- invest in very expensive concept art. I'm like, what the hell would I do that? Like these game developers have spent like five plus years. I mean, creating this amazing yeah. world, which is also based on a board game. Why would I go and redesign the characters? I'm like, I want to play in that world to tell a story. So I reached out to him, told him what I was doing. They thought I was nuts. They're like, I don't think you know how game assets work, but there you go. Here's a Google Drive, download it all. And yeah, I, I was a bit naive back then. You know, it's all modular based. So you have to like use scripts to put them together. Not like in visual effects where you just have a complete character yeah. and skeleton skinned and everything. But we did it and we we put together a three minute test sequence involving the characters from Mutiny at Zero pitched it back to them and you know my pitch was like you know guardians of the galaxy meets mad max fury you know it's super fun action bunch of misfits trying to find identity in this world and that, that kind of thing and they're like we love it you're the director for the show absolutely question that little test sequence you did in unreal what would it be like if we did sort of like a two and a half minute sizzle teaser trailer here's a bit of budget and we did a dream pandemic it was like anything would fucking be great mm-hmm. and so we, we took it and we did it, and IGN ended up releasing the Sizzle trailer, which you can watch on IGN on the website, and and already it got a lot of traction because it was, had a big following, the board games had a following. So it's a really interesting way as a producer to test something out by just you know taking a video game IP, taking game assets, creating something of it, and just testing the testing the market with it. Um, yeah, you know, I know Deadpool did a similar thing, you know, when when like the guys um trying to get Deadpool off the ground, they, they allegedly leaked. The, the, mm-hmm. the opening sequence or something. And that was fantastic. It, it encouraged 20th Century Fox to finance the film. So I think, you know, again, you know, gaming, the world of gaming technology and, and, and just the world of how games are made is heavily influenced in film because back then the game studios used to look at films and go, oh, we should make our cutscenes looking like this. We should, mm-hmm. you know, our scripts and our dialogue should reference film and reference cinema and all the time. And now I'm seeing a lot of cinema referencing video games. For example, um, you've seen John Wick 4? You seen the last John Wick yeah, movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a sequence. Um, you remember, like it's like it goes completely top down, and you're just and the whole thing, the whole sequence is John Wick blasting these bad guys, going from one room to another, but mm-hmm. it's all done top down. Dude, there's a game called Hong Kong Massacre. Uh-huh. It's freaking identical. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. identical. And, and this morning on LinkedIn, um, one of the visual effects supervisors in the film, um, from Radio FX posted that thing and said, yeah, it was heavily influenced by Hotline, Hotline Miami, I think it was. And I'm like, no, it's it's clearly Hong Kong mascot. And he was like, oh my God, yes. So it just shows you how much influence now video games have, like not just creatively, conceptually, but also from a business point of view. Because now like, you know, Blumhouse, you know, the, the horror um, company, at, you know, do from say Insidious and so on. They've got a video games arm that was announced. Bad Robot, JJ Abrams company, got a video game arm. Skydance. And so on. And it's becoming part of the Hollywood entertainment culture now, video games, whereas back in the day, it wasn't. Right, right. I mean, definitely the success is speaking for itself, that that 
helping that's helping push this narrative right it's like yeah this, yes <laughs> i was yeah i was a part of this bandwagon for a long time i think the first time at least in movies well there's plenty right obviously the adaptations for a while um yeah. you know uh taking it out of game creators hands and putting it in hollywood and, and trying to make that work you know some hits some misses not mega hits that we're having now critically acclaimed that we're having now it took a while yeah. Uh, I think it was the first time when I watched District 9, you know, when he first had the weapon sequence and I was like, oh, this is Half-Life. Half-Life, uh, yeah. But a lot of it is because we're, we're just growing up and into these yeah. positions. You know, everyone's a gamer now, uh, mm. essentially, uh, putting these positions and we're seeing that influence kind of spreading very naturally um, in, in these positions that we never thought we'd be in, right? Um 100%. But it, yeah, it's funny, you know, growing up, it was kind of like looked down upon as, you know, we're kind of yeah. this nerdy niche thing. But now everybody <laughs> from the president to the athletes, you know, everyone's <laughs> playing games uh, yeah. and, and it's very much part of the culture. Just Fortnite being a big, you know, push it into that to make it popular. And but even parents, is, but, but even yeah. careers, right? I remember like when I told my parents I wanted to like, Work in video games. Yeah, like my parents are like are from a, a an island called Mauritius, but they have very heavily like South Asian influence. So it's like video games. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, do you not want a house? Do you not I know, want I know, to no. live? Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and now, like, my brother's got kids, and my brother's like, "Hey, you should play Fortnite." There's, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely uh, more respected now for sure. Um, yeah, for for a while for sure, it's like, oh, you know, it's like telling someone you're, you're dying or something. It's like, no, it's it's a real legitimate. You know, now people are making legitimate money. You know, uh, obviously, yeah. in video games, yeah. well respected uh, streamers. Or are making what was that a hundred million dollars oh god yeah for, for those two-year exclusive deals uh and that's more than athletes uh yeah oh, so yeah. like every esports as well There's oh e yeah thing. so every avenue of the industry is is blossoming into yeah. amazing things um but you know we're talking about unreal Fortnite earlier it, it, it is at the you know at the beginning I thought it was like oh yeah bring the monitoring community back but like I'm starting to see more of like beyond that I was like oh I yeah. need to start paying attention to this because it's, it's a whole economy thing as well right I think thing, like yeah. yeah like Epic are giving more back to the creators um, as opposed to like taking a huge cut or something yeah I think something like eighty twenty or something like favoring like creators we've not heard of um, but of course like to you know in order to monetize your content, you still have to go through all of the legal checks and everything. It's yeah. like, I think it took us like um, just over a month for Epic to validate us, make sure like our taxes are in the right place, that we're an right. official company and so on. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. And that gave me even more confidence that this is going to work Legit, on yeah. a commercial level because yeah. they're doing all of these checks. Like, you know, we just done a new build today and now we have to upload it to a private server and Epic are now going to validate it to make sure that there isn't pornography or any hateful stuff in there um, before it gets officially released. And, you know, the official release of Mutopia, by the way, is like <laughs> next week on the 28th, 28th of July, the official launch. So we have to work our way back and say, okay, yeah, you got to you got to be very smart on like how much testing you do, multiplayer testing, put it on the server build, test it on the PlayStation. So we know our play test is hilarious. We have um, our developers, you know, Ryan Fleming, Sam Ribello, um, Ernesto, 
And, you know, that's kind of like our team and Miles who helps out on animation. Um, and we were testing, like one's testing on Switch, one testing on PC, one on Xbox, one on PS5. And it's such a great way of testing. And like, we don't even need a QA department, we QA ourselves, right? And once you test that, you'll find like the PlayStation version, the sky doesn't appear, but the PC one is fine. You're like, oh, so okay, you have to troubleshoot that. And also just FYI, UEFN is amazing, but it's also a beta software. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. it's ongoing development. So things are going to break and things may not make sense when they break. You can't go in and rewrite code or rewrite the engine because it's Fortnite, right? Yeah. So you, there's a lot of working around to make it to make things happen the way you want it to be. And, and again, it just reminded me of back in the day of low budget filmmaking. <laughs> like, oh, we didn't get that location we wanted because we didn't have enough money. Okay, let's find another way of getting that shot. Yeah, there's definitely... um there's a lot of things that you went over earlier that was very, um, because I always feel like, you know, creatively people are at their best with limitations. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like things, you know, uh, a lot of impressive things can come out of that. Uh, the industry, at least, you know, for a little while, you know, I think mobile mobile helped a bit, but then suddenly mobile is like these corporations now and not like these two man teams, but it started out, you know, there's still restrictions, right? You're talking about, sure. you know, download size being yeah, restricted. You were, well, your yeah. entire project has to be the size of your project has to be 400 meg. Exactly. That includes the upload code everything yes yeah. and there's a beauty to that because yeah i i do feel like for for a while there was a, this pending problem of 100 gig you know downloads uh <laughs> t- t- to try you know warzone or any game everything is 60 de- gigs downloads now um and uh it, it's very taxing obviously to your hard drive but also it, it really does push people away to like trying yeah. things uh and as a developer there's this tremendous pressure to fill you know yeah. to the best quality always right and yeah. that you know adds time resources can cause problems, delays, stress, right? And basically a lot of products don't see the light of day because of that yeah. crippling effect, right? But like yeah. what you were mentioning with Unreal Fortnite, it allows people to just be creative. Everyone has an yeah. equal level, level field of success, which is great. And uh, it, it, it focuses on the gameplay. Uh, and, you know, if anything, it helps you kind of test and fail fast. So that... Yes. You don't have to like stick with something that that, that isn't working, uh, which is also another entry level way of a lot of young developers to grow the industry. Right? You, we've been seeing yeah. this industry growing, and it helps with you know obviously players, but also game developers. Yeah, uh, and it is a very important step to kind of get like students and and people who are. Who are who are scared to enter right now because all the AI stuff to to like hey you know what I have an idea. <laughs> I, I was wondering when out. you're gonna bring up AI, man. I was wondering like when's it gonna bring up? When's it? Gonna you know, I we've <laughs> we've had a lot of conversation AI. It's like the biggest thing. Um, I, I I feel like I have a an essence of where you stand with that. You know, being a creative, <laughs> trying to like get things done, right? Um, and I think it's it kind of uh, honestly is a direction that that that's that's where it's heading you either get on it or, or off right um yeah i mean it's there's definitely that of course i mean 
any creator that says, I am not going to look at AI is kind of shooting themselves in the foot because it's not going to go away, right? It's it's yeah. here. I think the big thing is ethical use of AI is right. the big thing. And, you know, and this is where artists can really, you know, like mature artists that have been in the industry for a long time and also young artists can really like wear the creative hat, but also wear the ethical hat, which right. is like, you know, we all know how my journey works, right? Yeah. My journey is amazing. I, I have it on my phone. I use it all the time to come up yeah. with like really cool like concept. But I'm not going to pop that on a marketplace and sell yeah. it for like a hundred bucks because, yeah. like, the process on what Midjourney does yeah. cleverly, by the way, yeah. is going online and ripping all those images and kind of mashing them together. You got something, right? Yeah. Um. But at the same time, like, the thing that I try to remind myself and also remind everyone is the reason we have great stories is because it's that human touch. You know, when you watch Lawrence of Arabia or you watch a Christopher Nolan movie or you watch any movie that is so like Schindler's List, right? That is like so emotional or, or Pixar's Up, right? Which is a really good example. Like, like if you don't cry in the opening scene, you're not human kind of vibe, right? Or you don't have a tear. That's that's not, that's a human. That's a human story told by humans. And I feel like people forget that very easily. And, you know, they also forget like, you know, if you stare at the end of the credits, there's a lot of people working on stuff so i think ai is going to help us as a tool just like photoshop does just like unreal engine does but it should not and will not if if we all use it smartly will take over how creations are made or how stories are told you yeah. know it's just another tool and, that, and that's how but unfortunately there are there are people that are using ai that don't that haven't had the hardship of being an artist right. or being a creator or, or, you know, seeing how, or being around people that make stuff, you know, they haven't been around. They just see, Oh, great. Bunch of prompts. What's the big thing? Why are they raising so much money? Why are they hiring all these people? Just do some text prompts. They have that mentality. And in their mind, they think that's how music is going to be generated. That's how, that's how lyrics are going to be written. And that's how scripts are going to be created. That's how games are going to be made. And it's, it's a scary thought because like, you know, what we do as as game developers, storytellers, filmmakers, you know, when we're doing a podcast, like what we're doing right now is we're hoping that we're going to inspire people, inspire the next generation of creators. And if they're going to be bombarded with like, Hey, don't, don't learn unreal. Don't even think about art, man. You just type that stuff up and it generates it for you. You know, what's our industry going to be like, you know? Yeah. I just think, uh, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're just going to go, what was it, idiocracy? <laughs> That's, like people are, I'm with you. Like your 
I think we're pretty much aligned with there. The funny thing is, like, who are these people who are fine with making, you know, going to the make art button and feeling no remorse for it? Funny enough, those are the people who are, like, investing in projects and the consumer. I mean, that's a lot of people, you know? that's There's a lot of people that feel this way. And, you know, there's very little niche group of creators that we're going to have to leverage these tools somehow and make people uh feel uh and 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 inspired like you said um the funny thing is we're seeing that with you know i was listening to you know ai music being like popping right now on youtube and then (laughs) you know they had frank sinatra doing gangster paradise right yeah yeah i had that yeah yeah Yeah, right (laughs) of course it was obviously you know missing the inflection point you know frank sinatra did the pauses but like and people were like jumping on it i was like guys you're making fun of like then this is my feeling with ai art and, and criticism of it right you guys are making fun of a infant right now yeah you know, you're making fun of a six month one year old imagine when this matures 10 years from now yeah. <laughs> like you, you, the, the potential of this is just gonna get crazy like the i am so impressed how ready it was day one yeah was, because you know as creators as anybody had to have put in the work from day one and seeing all the way to year 10, you know, having any type of career, anybody with that insight can see, Oh yeah. 10 years down the line. What is this? What does this mean? Right. But I do understand and still see obviously value of people that have ideas to implement and use these things to tell a story. (laughs) I mean, in the end, it's forcing creatives to be more creative. All right. How do you face competition when literally, like Unreal Fortnite, the tools put you at the same level, all right? And my concern is, yes, the ethical, you know, the same way that Blizzard is ethic. I feel like they're ethically using it. They're training on their own stuff that they own, right? Yes, their own data sets. Their own data set to kind of come up with very fast, because the tool, the technology is useful yeah. all right which is what and we're I, doing we're doing we're creating our own data sets and we use an amazon web server for that and um you know and i feel good about it because yeah. every every input that i'm putting in every output like we, we you know we can get mashups of stuff that i would never thought of like and we're getting older so we get slower right so we do need ai to help us speed things up but use your own content that's what i say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so what I don't agree with is people who like, no, this technology is trash. We should, that's never going to happen. Right. right? Exactly. It's like, basically we had this conversation many times. I mean, we're complaining about outsourcers years ago, right? I'm like, <laughs> it should always be in our country right next to us. It's like, come on, man. It's, it's happening, dude. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening to the point where China's using us as outsourcing. You know how many times, you know, as a service provider, like Chinese companies are like, hey, can't we we can't get this done? Can you guys get it done? It's like, whoa, what is going on? Hey man, look, Tencent, <laughs> one of the biggest yeah. Tencent's one of the biggest Chinese companies, and they own parts of Epic, they yes. own like Legendary, Warner Brothers. I mean, you know, we're technically working for them, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, dude, look what's going on, right? Um, and uh at the end of the day, you you know, you're just gonna have to get better at being knowledgeable about things and having something to say i mean just what do you, have you to just say? gotta you just you just gotta have to adapt like look, yeah. if we can imagine like what it was like back in like i know the early 90s when when people were saying hey we're not going to be reading newspapers and magazines anymore we're going to be we're not going to be watching stuff on the tv every week we're going to be watching content on our phones and we're going to be reading websites which has the latest news 
people are like, don't be stupid. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the press industry are like, don't be ridiculous. That's stupid. And now every magazine, every press, you know, whether it's The Guardian or, or you know, The Insider and so on, have a news present online. Um, and I think AI is going to be like that as well, where everyone at the moment is like, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. Or, or the ones go, oh, that's cool. That will... That will be shortcuts. We don't need to hire people. We can do all that stuff. And people are going to abuse it, right? Just like, when, you know, the, like the first video that came out on the internet was a porn video, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of revolutionized video compression technology. I'm just going to say yeah, it yeah, did. Yeah. But it had to be something that was like taboo and like, whoa. And I think AI is that as well. Like there's so much good stuff you can do with it. But of course, the first thing that's going to come out is going to be people like trying to use it for other stuff like whether it's malicious or or whether it's like yeah a, an executive thinking oh i don't need to hire people i can do this with one person yeah and a really great ai model so um yeah i, I think there's gonna i think but the good thing is we have the power of the internet now people are voicing ethical things i don't know if you saw about art station right yeah. this is like early this year where that you know people are banning and you know a very good friend of mine Al- alvaro garcia he's like a really heavy voice about you know ai and he's he's a game developer so of yeah. course he uses ai every day to do npcs and and yeah. and mechanics but even he's very voice um, very heavy voice about that and you know but like, no i do i do not want to be supporting ai generated images i want to support artists that have you know blood sweat and tears to make that image that has so much emotion and so on so and that's because we live in a world of in the internet we live in a world of social media where people can voice this stuff whereas yeah. imagine if ai you know, Gen AI came out in so like mid nineties, and we didn't really have all this access to like people's voices on Twitter and so on. We're like, oh, okay, I guess that's that's creative now. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I yeah. think we have a lot to thank for today. Yeah, I mean, it's all we're having conversations, which is the most <laughs> we're having conversations. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I think through this conversation, we're going to find a solution that is law abiding that works, that yeah. going to hold people accountable that are trying to make, there's always people trying to look for the next gold rush, you know, name the last three years. There's a new thing every year that people are like trying Crypto. to make. A quick, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> NFT, you know, there's a quick buck that, you know, those people are just in and out. Right. So yeah. what's lasting are like, you know, us having this conversation, what we do with this now. And you I think that's happening. Yeah. You've seen the meme, right? Online, the, the meme showing like a, a bunch of traffic, uh, motorway traffic. And it's like, this is all the crypto guys. And it's slowly moving to the different lane. This is an that. AI. It's <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. It's going it, but it is way. funny the last three years. And, you know, Metaverse was thrown into that too, you know, as part of that mix. It's like suddenly everybody. The funny thing is NFT would have fixed the AI thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funny thing <laughs> a good point <laughs> yeah but suddenly you know one year later it doesn't matter ai is free for everybody it's like anything <laughs> digital is cool it's like, well, okay. cool uh well we hit that hour mark my and god that went fast man went super fast <laughs> you know hopefully that was a good thing but uh i do want to say uh this is the part where i shut up and hand the mic over to you to kind of uh, share with the good people how they connect with you, how to find you, yep. find more info, point them in Definitely. whatever direction. I, well, first off, Brandon, thanks for like, you know, get me on this show. Like, like I said I'm, earlier on, like I'm a huge fan of your show in a way. So for me, it's like an honor to be here talking to you about this stuff, like just having a chat. Um, if people want to find uh, the stuff that Hazimation does, like me and my team do, you know, you can go to Hazimation.com. So it's H-A-Z, so I say Z for the Americans and Z for the English, H-A-Z-I-M-A-T-I-O-N, hasmation.com. And you'll see 
some of the stuff we're doing. Um, I post a lot on Instagram. I'm a big fan of sharing behind the scenes. It's the perks of being a producer. You can. Um, so you can get you can find one has dazzle. It's H-A-Z-D-A-Z-Z-L-E. I do not come up the name, and that's another podcast and how I got that name. <laughs> um, and and on LinkedIn, like you know, any anyone that's in the industry or not in the industry wants to like connect to me professionally. I'm on LinkedIn as you know, you can find me as has Dalol, H-A-Z, Dalol, D-U-L-U-L-L. And um, yeah, just feel free to connect with me. I, I love seeing what other people are doing. So if you're a filmmaker, a game developer, I want to see what you guys are doing. And lastly, you know, keep an eye out for our Unreal Engine Fortnite game, Moontopia, which is based on an original IP that we developed. Originally, it was a TV show. We paused it because you know, we ended up working on other projects. And then when UEFN came out, we're like, what can we do in UEFN? We don't have time to create original IP from the ground up, but we spent a year working on this animated tv show called moontopia which is about a bunch of um, space tourists that crash on the moon and they have to make their way back to another spaceship because there's a monster so we're like this would be a great fortnite game especially multiplayer so we migrated all our unreal engine assets and they're spent about i'll say about since april so april may june july so that three and a half months working on this and it comes out on july the 28th so look out on linkedin instagram we're going to be doing a lot of posts um you know promoting it and it's free to play look out for the island code and just want to get your feedback so yeah well perfect man uh all links in description everything you talk about will be where you're you know normally we'll find them in, in the episode uh again man very inspiring stuff thanks for coming on and educating us keeping us uh well you know giving us a some some insight on your pioneering <laughs> uh you know escapades here uh it's really cool man it's really cool to kind of hear like these different avenues it's one of the reasons why i constantly want to talk to people you know try to be everywhere at once but not really <laughs> but this is super inspiring it was really awesome and and i'm i'm loving hearing the convergence every day uh you know all, we're all the same you know um and we don't have to hide anymore okay? we're actually no. kind of cool now <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, but thank you for coming on the show and thank you. see you guys next week. Hey. Hello, everybody. Brandon here. I want to talk to you today about something very special. We've been on this wild ride together, haven't we? From my early days as a senior employee, feeling a bit lost, all the way to leading multiple studios, transitioning to smaller indie teams and to the mobile industry, and now running my own game studio for the last six years. Throughout this time, you've been here listening and learning along with me, sharing this never-ending journey of discovery. This year, I'm kind of on this quest of meeting serial studio founders, discussing acquisitions, or exploring what it takes to grow a studio to over 100 developers. I've always tried to find an exciting topic to delve into, and every year is a little different. The focus is a little different because that's where I am in my career currently, and I want to be able to share what I'm learning with you guys. So I've always been dedicated to asking the tough questions, bringing you insightful answers from industry leaders and experts. And now I want to share with you how I'm applying these answers to my own journey. This is why I'm excited to announce that for just $1.99 per month, you can now subscribe to our exclusive content series. These bonus episodes will give you a deeper look into my personal experiences and how I'm putting into practice what our esteemed guests are preaching. It's more of a personal side of the journey that I hope will show you that we're all in this together and we're all continuously learning. Whether you're a game developer, studio founder, or just a passionate gamer, there's something in it for everyone. By subscribing, not only will you gain access to this exclusive content, but you'll also be supporting the ongoing production 
of the regular programming. It helps keeps the lights on and ensures that I can continue bringing you top quality content and insight into the world of game development. The links to subscribe are in the description. Your support means the world to me and helps me keep doing what I love, sharing this journey with you. So show some love, hit that subscribe button, and let's continue this adventure together. Thank you all for your continued support. And as always, stay tuned for more exciting content. Until next time, this is Brandon signing off.